Well, those of you who have been with us at all this year in 2022 here at First Baptist Arlington, you know that our theme this year for our church is re dot, dot, dot. And we have been exploring together the biblical words that begin with that prefix, re. We've also been exploring our theological vocabulary, mining the words that begin with that prefix, re. We began the year in January, in the winter, and our focus was on reflect. And we studied the 23rd Psalm together for those two months. And then on Ash Wednesday, we turned our attention to the cross, and this whole Easter season, our theme has been redeem. And then you've heard already for the spring, our theme is going to be reconcile, and these booklets will explain that to you. There's some theological material written there, some very practical material. And then this summer, our theme is recreate. A little play on words where we will recreate together and we'll have some fun together. We're going to have some fun leagues, um, some competitive leagues. Then we're going to have some just for fun leagues for our church members who are not competitive. <laughs> the staff told me we have one or two of them, so we're going to help have something for you as well. But for the rest of us, um, we'll have some competition and some fun. In August, our theme will be rejoice, and we'll explore the whole idea of the joy of the Lord. And then in the fall, as we kick off our church year, um, rededicate will be our theme for the fall. And then missions in November, reclaim will be our theme. And then in Advent, remember. So I'm looking forward to this journey with you. It's already been rich for us, and we're grateful for it. So today, we bring the conversation about redemption to a close. And I've entitled this message, Reunited. Reunited to our purpose and being restored to the glory God has for us is the point of this text. So Romans 8 serves as our text, if you have your copy of the New Testament. And we'll begin in verse 31. Paul says, what then shall we say in response to these things? What things? Well, most New Testament scholars would point you all the way back to Romans 5. We think that's where this section of material begins. And Paul is looking back to those pages and the insights given from Romans 5, 6, and 7 and what he's already shared in Romans 8. And he says, now, what shall we say in response to all these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? It is, as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, 
neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Well, this morning, I'll begin with the question that we posed earlier in our conversation for this Easter season. Easter, why does it matter? You know that that endeavor over these last few weeks has been a part of our emphasis in this city. I wanna say a word of thanks to our, uh, our community team. Our staff now is a part of one of two teams, the community team or the connections team. The community team is outward facing and they were responsible for helping us plan the Easter season. And so these, um, the, the various members of our team came together to help make it happen. Our communications team, graphics, everyone. We had church members who have been proclaiming the gospel for us in these various languages, in Spanish, in Farsi, in Hindi, in Vietnamese, in Mandarin, in Arabic, in Telugu, and in English. And then I wanna thank you, all the yard signs that you put out and the posters that you put up. We printed up these cards, you know, the QR code was on all of them and it would take you to a landing page. You know, last Sunday, I went and picked up Ada to bring her to church to this uh, Palm Sunday service and she told me, she said, Poppy, last Sunday I got 22 of these cards and on Monday I took them to school and gave them to all my friends and to my teacher so they could know about Easter. Would to God, y'all. I had handed out one at that point. <clears throat> so my little granddaughter lit Poppy on fire. <clears throat> um, but the question was Easter, why does it matter? Well, over these last couple of weeks, hundreds of people have used the QR code, they've gone to the landing page, and they have been watching and hearing the gospel in these eight different languages. Praise God for that. But the question, Easter, why does it matter? Why do Christians every year celebrate Easter? This year, 2.3 billion Christians. It's the largest religion on planet Earth. It is the largest religion in the history of the world. Why is there such a celebration at Easter? What is it? Well, if you look at this text in Romans 8, verse 32, Paul gives just a summary word about Easter. And look at verse 32. He says, he who did not spare his own son, but notice the language, but gave him up for us all. There is the statement about the vicarious death of Jesus. Jesus didn't just die on the cross on that Friday just outside of Jerusalem. He died for us. That's the theology underneath it. It was a vicarious death. But Paul goes on to say, look at verse 34. He says, Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is interceding for us. There's the vindication of Christ. He was resurrected from the dead, raised to life. He now is seated at the right hand of the Father and he is interceding for us. So Easter, why does it matter? Well, this is what happens at Easter. Christians all over the world 
celebrate the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what this is. It matters. Because you see, our world is broken. It's broken on every level. Just last week, just last week, we were horrified when we watched on our computers, on our phones, on our televisions, the atrocities that are being committed every day in Ukraine. It is egregious and sinful, would you not agree? Innocent civilians, bodies strewn across the streets, victims of horrific violence. Just last week, a man gets on a subway in Brooklyn with a gun and just starts randomly firing, shooting and injuring just innocent people on their way to work, on their way home, on their way to eat, on their way to see their family. Just this week, just, just night, last night, I believe it was, people are at the mall in Columbia, South Carolina, shopping for Easter. And a man and another man have guns and they turn in violence to one another and nine, pe- nine innocent people, little children, 73-year-old, just shot. They're in the mall, just, just minding their own business. And then just this week, we saw the weather in Texas and tornadoes dropped all around us. And as I have watched all that unfold on a grand scale, on a small scale, even in creation, everything is out of sorts. And you know why? Because the world is broken. That's why. Sin has had adverse effects on everything and everybody. And what is God's answer to that? Redemption. That's his answer. His answer is to address sin and separation and shame. And at the heart of it, y'all, is love. That's the God of the Bible. He is a God of love. The Bible tells us in that passage that all of us know, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. You see, Jesus came to this broken world. He came as the son of God and he lived a perfect life on planet earth. He lived in real time, in a real place, as a real person. And he walked among real people. And Jesus modeled for us what it means to reflect the glory of God and bear the image of God. And Jesus never sinned. Jesus taught us how to live. He showed us how to live. He modeled for us examples of the kingdom of God being established on this earth. And then he offered up himself as a sacrifice for our sin. And then he was gloriously resurrected from the dead to never die again and that's why Easter matters because his vicarious death then vindicated by God addresses the challenges that we face and so Easter does it matter yes it matters that's why we celebrate it as Christians but I want to ask you another question that might be just as profound And it's a question I think people ask today. And that is Easter, what does it mean now? This is 2022. And the events of Easter occurred so long ago. 
so far away. So what does Easter mean now? Well, Paul addresses what it means. There are a couple things that Paul says that I'd point out to you, and I'd want to walk through them. He says in verse 34, there's no condemnation. One of the things that Easter means now to you is there's no condemnation. It's really good news. Because some of you, maybe here in this room, maybe in the, we have folks in the fellowship hall today, folks join us online. It's really easy to feel condemned when you think about who you are and what you've done and what you're capable of doing. It's really easy to feel condemned. And you know, that's exactly what Satan wants. He wants the people of God to never heal. And so Satan whispers those lies into your soul, into your ears. God's never going to forgive you. Not for that. You're not, you're not worthy of this. You're going to be discovered. You know, you're never going to get over this one. You, you, you're always going to walk with a limp. You'll never get better. God's always going to hold this against you. And it's very easy to live in that condemnation. And every bit of that, what you need to know, those are all lies from hell. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ is about redemption, complete, thorough, absolute redemption. And there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And not only that, there's no separation. That's what this text says. Verse 35, who will separate us from the love of Christ? What, what is it that can stand between us and, and Jesus? Paul finally summarizes at the end of verse 39. It says, nothing can separate us. I mean, what does Easter mean now? Look at verse 37. We're, we're living in victory. We're more than conquerors. I love that word in Greek. We're, we're super conquerors. We're uber conquerors is what Paul says. We're, we're more than just conquerors because there's no condemnation and there's no separation. In fact, if you still have your Bibles open, if you'll just flip back with me to Romans 5. This is where it all starts, really. Romans 5. What does Easter mean now? Well, Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8, dense, theologically rich. Is this Paul at his best? Romans 5, 6, 7, 8. That's saying something if it is, because Paul's really good. But I want you to look at Romans 5. You want to know what Easter means now? Look at what Paul says in Romans 5, verse 1. You have peace with God. We're not at war with God any longer. Our sin has been atoned for. We're no longer at enmity with God. We're at peace with God, he says. We have been justified. We, we, we've been declared innocent, even though we all stand guilty. Because of what Jesus has done for us, we've been declared innocent. We've received his grace. We now have hope. We're no longer hopeless people. Paul says we have real hope. And then look what he says in verse 6 of Romans 5. He says, you see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, this is really good news. Paul goes on to describe what Jesus has done. Then look at Romans 6. Paul says in Romans 6, verse 4, we just saw it. Paul says we were baptized 
into the death of Christ, he says. And Christ was raised so that we might now have a new life. He goes on to say, verse nine, we've been saved. We've been reconciled. We've experienced victory. Do you know the reason Easter means something to you right now in 2022 is because of this. Do you know who your two greatest enemies are? Your two greatest enemies. It's not Russia. It's not our greatest enemy. Communism. It's not our greatest enemy. Terrorism. No. Our two greatest enemies, sin and death. Everybody, everybody has been touched by both of those. We all deal with the reality of both of them. Sin and death. You can go anywhere in the world and find sinners. No matter where you go, I've been all over the world. There are sinners. Years ago, Cindy was in West Africa in Mali, and she was in this remote village they passed the uttermost sign and just kept going. Middle of nowhere. And they were gathered around this fire and Cindy got up to tell a story. The chief wanted to hear this a story about Jesus. And so Cindy has a translator and Cindy says, well, here's a story that Jesus told. There was a man who had two sons. And the translator said, there was a man who had two sons. And then Cindy said, and one of those sons wanted everything right now. And the translator said, and one of those sons wanted everything right now. And the chief went, mm-hmm. <laughs> he knew. You know why? Because there was sin in his village. There's sin in every village. There's sin in every human heart. It's in the densely packed urban areas. It's in the wide open spaces. And sin is our enemy. And here's what Jesus did. That final week of Jesus' life, Jesus walked into the face of sin. Now his followers ran for their lives. Some of them denied him. One of them betrayed him. The, the teachers of the law, the rulers, the the biblical scholars, you remember what Luke tells us they did? They were just trying to get rid of Jesus. <laughs> As I said, Friday evening, turns out it's really, really hard to get rid of Jesus. They tried though. And in the midst of all of that, in the midst of all of that darkness where his followers are scattered, the leaders of his people are ruthless, what did Jesus do? Jesus stared sin in the face and he walked down that street in Jerusalem and he made his way to Golgotha and he allowed himself to be nailed to a sinner's cross with sinner's hands pounding those nails into his flesh and he took on vicariously my sin and your sin and everybody's sin and innocently like a lamb led to slaughter died on the cross and in his death he defeated sin, but hallelujah, the story did not end on Friday night because our next enemy, death, on Easter Sunday morning, Jesus was gloriously, miraculously resurrected from the dead to never die again. You see, he wasn't like Lazarus. He wasn't like the widow of Nain's son. Uh, he wasn't like Jairus' daughter. They were all raised from the dead. They all died later, not Jesus. Jesus was resurrected from the dead to never die again. Hallelujah. Eugene Peterson says he leads the resurrection parade. 
Wow. So, so what, what does Easter mean right now? It means my two biggest enemies have been defeated by my Lord. Praise his name. Hallelujah. <laughs> wow. You know, when I was teaching preaching at Truett Seminary years ago, one of my students asked me, he said, Pastor, uh, Dr. Wiles rather said, you know, you've been preaching for a long time. <laughs> my response to that was, and? He said, well, how do you come up with something to preach on every Easter? I said, I got two words for that. First of all, if you're a preacher and you don't know what to preach on on Easter Sunday, then get out of the way and let the rest of us do it because we know what to preach on on Easter Sunday. I said, and second of all, if you can't come up with anything to say, just tell the story. It's really good. Jesus Christ was dead died on the cross for my sin and he was gloriously resurrected from the dead. You know how many funerals I've done? I have yet to see anybody resurrected from the dead at a funeral to never die again. It's never happened. It's a miracle. It's a one-time event that's in my future. Yeah, Easter means something. And not only that, my goodness, you come to Romans 8. We haven't even gotten to Romans 8 yet and it's almost time to go. <laughs> Romans 8. What does Easter mean to me now? Oh my goodness, look at what Paul says in verse one. Well, there's no condemnation. He says, you, you, you've been set free to live a life. You've got the spirit of God now dwelling in you. You, you, you can live now according to the spirit. Verse 14, you're now a child of God. You've been adopted into the family of God. You know what it's like when you're in that family court system? And you come to that final day of adoption and that judge says, these are your forever children adopted into your family. It means something. It means they're now yours. Guess what? You belong to the Father. He has adopted you into his family. And now the Spirit of God is interceding, interpreting, guiding our prayers. Verse 28, notice this. In your everyday life, not in most things, not in some things, but in all things, God is working out his purpose in us. And what's he doing? He's shaping us to be more like Jesus. And so Paul says, what, what do you want me to say? What, what, what else can I tell you? Paul says, well, let me just tell you this. The love of God is immeasurable. God loves you. In fact, once you belong to Jesus, you'll never be separated from it again. You just can't. There's nothing, there's nothing that can stand between you and God's love now. You are deeply loved by God. Paul says, I'll give you some options. Look at verse 35. He says, what about trouble? Hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword. You think Paul knew anything about all that? He said, even that can't separate you from God's love. I went back and looked, and I just read what Paul said about himself. In 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, you know what Paul said about himself? He said, here's what I've been through. I'll just give you a list. He said, I've been condemned to die. I've been made a spectacle. I've been called a fool for Christ. I've been considered weak. I've been dishonored. I've been hungry. I've been thirsty. I've been in rags. I've been brutally treated. I've been homeless. I've been cursed. I've been persecuted. I've been slandered. I've been called the scum of the earth. I've been in prison. I've been flogged. I've been exposed to death. I've been lashed. I've been beaten with robs. I've been stoned. I've been shipwrecked. I've been in danger from rivers. I've been in danger from bandits. I've been in danger from my own countrymen. I've been in danger from Gentiles. I've been in danger in the city. I've been in danger in the country. I've been in danger at sea. I've been in danger of false brothers. And on top of that, I carry the concern for all the churches. And Paul says, and yet 
through all of that, I've never been separated from God's love. How about you? You see, God's love is powerful. What does Easter mean now? It just means this love, this healthy, redeeming love is available for you. It's like a magnet. That story of the prodigal son that Cindy told many years ago in that village, what a story. It took me years to understand it. When I was younger, I was always confused by it. I used to ask myself the question, why doesn't that daddy just go get his boy? I mean, if he really loves him. Just go get him. But you know, I had to learn a lesson. You see, that's not how it works. The kind of love that God has for us that Jesus described in that story, it's a different kind of love than that. It's a deep, abiding love. It's the kind of love that emanated from the heart of that father. And it reached out. And it penetrated those years of rebellion. And it, it worked through all that brokenness. And it, it overcame all those barriers. And it reached all the way out to a Jewish boy in a pigsty who one day came to his senses and he said, I'm going home. <laughs> I'm going home. You know why? Because he knew his father's love was there. You see, that's how it works with God. You can wander a long way off. You can. My goodness. You can find yourself in a far country. You can. But you know what you can't ever escape? The deep abiding love of God. Once you become a follower of Jesus, you will never be alone. You'll never be orphaned. You'll never be uncared for. You'll never be abandoned. You'll never be forsaken. You'll never be forgotten. You'll never be condemned again. You won't spend one second of your life unloved because you have been redeemed by none other than the precious, only begotten, eternal, sinless, resurrected, glorified Son of the living God. So on Easter, don't be shocked when you hear what we say. I'm talking about we Christians. On Easter, don't be surprised how loud we are. You see, we can't help it on Easter. We, we just can't help it. Because on Easter, what we say is, why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen just as he said. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Father, we, we bow today in humility. In your presence, we marvel at the mystery and the majesty of this miraculous story. One that compels us and draws us in even to this day. And so we thank you for that. Thank you, Lord, for the miracle and the message of Easter. It's what causes us to stand alone in this old world as a faith that offers you life. Thank you. May we continue, Lord, to be gripped by this Easter story. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen.